Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church online again. Whether you're part of this church, whether you're visiting from another church, whether you don't have a church, uh, we just want to make you so welcome today and I pray that you stay tuned in throughout the service. I just pray that yeah, we're able to put the distractions down of being at home and uh, maybe watching church on an iPad or a tablet or some kind of phone or a television or a computer. However, we're connecting with church today. I pray that nothing would really distract us from hearing what God wants to say to us and from us worshipping him today. So let's come to him today. We want to worship him and uh, we're going to just think uh, in just a short while uh, about the, the third in our series uh, of what uh, Jesus was saying to the, the Pharisees, to the sinners, to the tax collectors. He talked about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and today we're going to think about the lost son, that prodigal son. Think about what prodigal actually means as well, because that's part of the crux of the story, is what that actually means as well. So let's worship him this morning. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing our praises to him before we come into God's word. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're with us. Lord, we thank you that you never change from everlasting to everlasting. You are God, and we just praise you. Father, we are so thankful that we have health and strength today. Father, we're so thankful for the blessings which are poured out in our lives. And Lord, we just take a moment to pray for those who are in need today. Lord, we ask that you would come and that you would meet people at their point of need today. Father, whether they're part of this church, part of our community that we, we live in, Father, wherever, Lord, we just pray that you would meet the needs which 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 are presenting themselves. And Father, we pray for your church, Lord, that you'd help your church to rise up and be all that you call it to be. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him.
just thank you that the words of that song are true. Father, that you make a way when there is no way. Father, that we think of the children of Israel as they were going through that desert. Father, as they came to the Red Sea. And Father, what seemed like an impossible situation, what seemed like a deadly situation, Father, we read that you opened up a way. Father, as Moses lifted his staff in the wilderness, Father, the sea opened up and they were able to walk through. And Father, we just know that you're able to, to really uh, break through in every situation. Father, you're able to provide that breakthrough in every situation, and we thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray for our church today and those who are tuned in, maybe from other churches, those who have maybe never been in a church before. Father, for that impossible situation, Lord, we just bring it before you. Lord, we just lift our hands in your presence and we say, Father, here is this impossible situation. And I'm asking that you would make a way in that situation. Father, that you'd provide hope. Father, that you'd provide light. Father, that you'd provide strength for the journey. And so, Lord, we just bring those situations before you, whatever that might be. Father, everybody's need is different. But, Father, we bring it before you. Father, we know that you're able to do the impossible. And so, Father, we just thank you that you're at work in our fellowship. We thank you that you're at work in our families, in our lives. And, Father, we just, I just want to give you thanks for every person who calls this church home, for everyone who's tuned in today. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for our friends. Uh, Father, we've got friends all over the place, really. Um, and I just thank you for them, Father. And, uh, Lord, I just give you praise, give you all the honor, all the glory that's due your name. And so, Father, we just worship you. We just praise you. We give you all the glory and thanks in his name. Amen. 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 Just uh, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the parable of the lost son today. Really, it's a parable of lost sons because the older brother was also lost. We're not going to focus on that part of the parable today. We're going to focus on the first part, uh, which talks about the younger brother and uh, just what happened in his life and the effect that this story has perhaps on Jesus' hearers and what effect it can have on us today. So let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Good morning and welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church, just in case you missed the, the welcome at the start. Uh, these uh, last few weeks we've been thinking about this whole subject of lost and found and we conclude uh, this series today in thinking about the, the parable of the lost son and the, the key theme uh, in this parable is repentance. We're going to think about that. You know, it's the uh, the final messages, final message uh, in this series, and uh, really it's the third act in that play that we've been talking about. So Jesus is sitting with the the sinners and the tax collectors and the Pharisees are grumbling. They're complaining amongst the crowd. They're complaining amongst themselves. How dare this guy sit with sinners? H who does he think he is? And then Jesus begins to tell them these. Uh, three stories, these three parables, and it's like three uh, scenes in a play, and this is the third scene. And we're only going to consider uh, the first part of that, uh, really the, the prodigal son, how he leaves and how he returns. There's another side to this. We could think about the prodigal sons because there's the older brother. And, and th there's so much in this parable uh, that we could spend weeks just uh, opening up the parable and looking at uh, what it's actually saying to us. But we want to think about the prodigal son, that the one who went out and wasted his money. Both sons were lost, but one was a prodigal. And a prodigal essentially means to be wasteful. Um, and so that's what we're going to think about today. Um, the older brother, he had his own issues, but both were issues of the heart. 
the younger brother, in the end, he received his father's grace. He received acceptance back into being a son. He was restored, whereas the older brother, he didn't receive the father's grace. And there's no record of him ever returning uh, and back into relationship. And so it's an interesting parable. Do you know, in, in my family, there are three brothers. There are three of us, and I remember growing up. And, uh, you know, we certainly had our moments of tension as brothers. I don't know what it's like in your family. <laughs> you probably find that you have moments in your family as well where you just think, hmm, not everything's going very well here. Um, so, you know, my family, uh, growing up, we weren't perfect. I'm sure your family isn't perfect either. Um, and, and I could tell you story after story of things that, that happened amongst us as brothers. Um, but I'm going to save them for not sharing in public, <laughs> if that's okay. But I, th- I want to think about uh, this whole parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And this is a picture of the father. Uh, uh, the, the father is pictured as running out to meet his son when he returns. And it's just such an incredible image of God uh, as the father who gives us his grace. But in this parable, when the father begins to run to the son, we'll, we'll read that in just a little second, there's something about that running to meet the son that is is like Jesus coming into this earth, running after us, coming to seek us, coming to save us, coming from the very uh, throne of God, coming from the presence of God, coming from the family home, if you like, and coming out into the wilderness, to the edge of the town, to meet his son and bringing him back in. And it's just such a, a, a powerful image. And again, we're going to read uh, the, the scriptures. We're back in Luke chapter 15. And uh, uh, turning your Bibles to, to Luke 15, we're going to read from verse 11. Um, Jesus has already told the, the story of the lost sheep. He's told the story of the lost coin, those who are lost outside the house, those who are lost inside the house. And lastly, we want to, th- we want to think about this whole thing about repentance today uh, once again. So let's read Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to put up on the screen again uh, just the structure of this first half of the parable. It's very, very interesting. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. And for him to say this, what the son was saying effectively was, will you hurry up and die? I want my share. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Prodigal means to waste. Why not long after? Because what the prodigal did not only was a sin against the father, but it would it would have been something in that community which would have caused an absolute uproar, and they would have been after him. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. He lost everything. And so he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. The lowest of the low. Here he is, somebody who should be a son in his father's house, becoming a servant in somebody else's house. And not only that, he was a Jew serving himself out, hiring himself out to a Gentile, which would have been horrendous for those who were listening, and even probably the sinners and the tax collectors as well. And he finds himself in the field feeding pigs. The great sin. 
And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods, verse 16, that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And we read that there's this total rejection of the son. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men, here he is uh, hiring himself out to somebody else, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He doesn't get any further than that because he's overwhelmed by the grace and love of the father who comes out to meet him. And let me just share at this point in case I forget to do it later on. Here is this son coming back to his father's house. It's not like we imagine a farm here, a farm there and dotted out across the country. In this culture, they would have lived in the village and they would have went out to the fields where the farm was. So the son would have had to come back into the village. And when he came back in, news would have got around quickly and the mob would have been there to really let this guy know what they thought about him. But they don't get the chance to do that because the father goes out to meet him. And what does he say? He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Something happens in the son in this moment. He's has prepared speech. He doesn't get the chance to finish his prepared speech. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Here he is, the son who was lost, now is found. And if we look at the structure in this parable, there is this structure here. And, and if, you, if you just look at this for a second, and we'll go through it, what was lost becomes found. What was wasted, his father's goods, are used joyfully to celebrate. Everything was lost, and now everything is gained. The great sin of stepping out and his father with his, his half of the inheritance, essentially wishing that his father was dead, disrespecting his father, disrespecting the community. This is the great sin. But then there's the total acceptance of the father who runs out to meet him. Then there's the total rejection of the people that he was hired out to when he was looking after the pigs, where he was starving to death. Total rejection. Nobody gave him anything. And then in the Father's presence, total acceptance. And in the middle here, we have this change of mind. I don't know if you remember, over the last few weeks we've thought about this, even Jamie uh, talked about this a number of weeks ago, that repentance is a change of mind. And what... Uh, what is referred to here uh, by Kenneth Bailey in his uh, study of this is an initial 
repentance. And I just think to myself, was this parable not aimed at everybody that Jesus was talking to? It was aimed at the sinners, it was aimed at the tax collectors, and it was aimed at the Pharisees. The far-off land representing the world and all that that meant to be worldly and wild. Wasting his money. The Pharisees could represent the older brother, but so could many of us. Not just our own physical brothers and sisters, but those who are in church. We can become like the older brother. Maybe when people come back into church, we can be like the older brother. The sinners and the tax collectors represented by the lost son. But I'm sure we can all identify with his lostness. And the lost son, in associating with Gentiles, pictures the tax collectors associating with Rome. Gentiles who were enforcing their way upon the Jews. And the father pictures God. And the Bible tells us that God is love. And I can't help but think of a boy. As a father, I think of my boys. My boy, sorry. I think of us as boys, my dad. But I think of my son. I think of a father's love. I think of a father's grace, a father's patience, a father's perseverance. And the the example of this father in the story is a shining example to us as Father's Day, as fathers. You know, we we celebrated Father's Day uh, just not so very long ago. And when we look at the prodigal, what do we feel? Do we feel pride that we're not like that? Or do we feel pity? I think if the Pharisees were looking on, they would have felt proud. We are not like this guy. But then maybe the sinners and the tax collectors thinking, wow, that's a shame for that guy. I hope he gets on well with his father. I hope he's accepted when he comes back into uh, his family, into his community. A sense of pity, maybe. And I wonder if we really genuinely care for and pity those who are lost those who are maybe lost as we thought about with the lost sheep those who are lost outside the house with the lost coin those who are lost inside the house all sorts of things can happen outside church and inside church but the bible says that when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here i am starving to death he came to his senses there was a change of mind you know there's a saying that common sense is not so common i don't know if you've heard that before there can be good sense there can be bad sense there can be nonsense but this moment for the prodigal this moment for the lost son was a defining moment in his thinking there's a change in his thinking and we will be faced with moments where they are defining moments Moments where it feels like all of heaven is waiting on the answer to the question that maybe you're asking or maybe that God is asking you. Maybe you've wandered off. Maybe God is looking for you to come back in to the house. The reality is for this boy, his new circumstances circumstances caused him to, to think more deeply about the path his choice had led him on. You see, he'd lost sight of his father. He'd lost sight of his family. He'd lost sight of his community. He'd lost sight of his finances. He'd lost everything. Here he was, lost, hired out 
to a stranger, hired out to a Gentile, hired out to look after pigs who were better looked after than he was. At least they had something to eat. But he'd also lost sight of himself and his own dignity and worth. And I wonder, maybe today there are people who have lost sight of their own dignity, their own value and their own worth. I think people have an inherent value because Jesus came to die for people. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But the problem is it took the son to come to the lowest place, away from his father, away from his family, away from his finances, away from the community. He had to come to the lowest place, even from his so-called friends who weren't friends at all because they all abandoned him. He was left with nothing. He was destitute, practically penniless, isolated and alone. But his current reality forced him to remember his former relationships. He thought back to his father's house. Even in my father's house, the hired servants have more than I have. They've got enough and more to spare. Have you ever said, if only? I wonder if you've ever said that. I wonder if the son said, if only, if only, if only, if only I had stayed at home. If only I hadn't asked my dad for his, for my share of his inheritance. Have you ever said, if only? If only I'd waited for Josh to come and hold that ladder. I wouldn't have slipped. I wouldn't have broken my wrist. I think it was this one from memory. If only I hadn't missed the turn off on the motorway and you've got to go all the way along to the next junction then come all the way back. If only I had listened. How many of us are guilty of not listening? If only I'd not been such an idiot. <laughs> here I am, says the boy, starving to death here. And the word death means this destruction of who he was as a person. And his impending destruction leads to a critical decision, to a defining moment. And this is what Kenneth Bailey calls the initial repentance, an initial repentance. He makes this decision. He says, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to go back to my father's house. I'm going to say, you know, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Make me like one of your servants. I said at the start, he didn't get to finish his speech because he was over." Overwhelmed by the Father's love. You see, it's this change of mind that comes to a person when they realize that the road that they're on is leading in the wrong direction. In this case, and in many cases, away from the Father and into the fire. Away from God and into an uncertain future, an uncertain eternity. But the Son meets with a compassionate Father. I've quoted this already, John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not have this eternal insecurity, this eternal death, but have eternal life. 
And in this picture of the boy returning to his father, he comes and the father sees him coming from afar. And it's this picture of divine love. And the father says, my son was dead, now he is alive. A picture of divine love. A picture of a father running to meet his son. A picture of God reaching out to you and to I in this world. A picture of Christ who came into the world to seek and to save the lost. I feel as if I've been saying the same thing over the last number of messages, but there are these themes which run through all of these parables. And the son receives forgiveness and then there's reconciliation. And one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is that forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. You know, we can say that we've forgiven somebody and in our hearts we think we have, but have we really forgiven somebody? I think true forgiveness leads to reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation is where two things come back together again. We think of a bank reconciliation where the bank statement needs to meet uh, match what's in the books, the financial records of the company. This needs to match this. Every penny that's spent in here needs to be accounted for here, and the two need to come together. But in relationships, reconciliation is where two people come back together or different groups come back together, and they are working, living, being together. They are joined together. What does it say in Psalm 133? Where brothers live together in unity. There God commands the blessing. We thought on the day of Pentecost about the disciples, the 120 who were gathered. They were gathered together. They were together in that upper room. They were there in body, but they were there joined in unity of heart and purpose, mind and spirit. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. We may say that we've forgiven a brother or sister, somebody in the church, somebody in our family, but until we're reconciled to them, that forgiveness is not complete. We need to be reconciled to people. Think about the father. It's not just a case of saying, son, I forgive you. This father runs out to meet the son and he greets him with a kiss, multiple kisses. He embraces his son and he instructs his servants to give him a robe, etc., etc. We'll come to that in a second. And this is a demonstration of reconciliation where the son becomes one with the father. You'll notice, and we're not going to go on to the rest of the parable, but if you read the rest of the parable in Luke 15, the brother is not reconciled to his other brother. The other brother stands back. He comes in from the field and he says, what's the big fuss about? And the father says, your brother's returned. We're just so happy. We're having this big party. We've killed the fatted calf, etc., etc." And he says, oh, I've been with you all this time. You've never done anything for me. The two brothers in the story don't appear ever to be reconciled together. The older brother doesn't appear to have forgiven the younger brother either, if the truth be told. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The son recognizes his sin before his father. 
And there's part of that recognition that is that whole thing of confession that we talk about. It's about agreeing with God's opinion about us. He confesses, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. And we can't underestimate the severity of what the boy is actually saying. What he has uh, realized, uh, sorry, I just lost my, my screen there for some reason. Just give me a little second. Uh, hopefully that will come back on. There we go. The severity of the sin of the boy, he essentially by asking for his inheritance now was wishing that his father was dead. And the father, ironically, it, it just doesn't make sense in the culture. The father gives the boy what he asks for. The father in most uh, situations in Eastern culture would have scolded his son and uh, his son would have been uh, the, the worst thing out. But the father actually gives him what he asks for. And now that he has come back, the father has not only forgiven the son, he is reconciled to his son. The two have come together. He says to his servants, give him the best robe, which was probably the father's robe. In Isaiah 61 verse 10 we read, For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61 is this is the, the part of the Bible that Jesus got up and read out and talked about himself. And so we, we recognize that God, Jesus, and his coming has clothed us with garments of salvation. He has saved us. We're no longer aliens, we're no longer strangers, we're no longer foreigners, but we've been brought in, we've been clothed with garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness put on us. Give him the, the best robe, put a ring in his finger. Put the sandals on his feet. It's interesting that the boy hasn't even had a wash yet. And he's been clothed, a ring put in his finger, sandals put in his feet. And then the father says, kill the fatted calf. There's going to be a celebration. And it's a celebration not just for the family, not just for the family and the servants. This is a celebration for the community. Because in the culture of the day, when you killed the fatted calf, it was either because something really important was happening, like the, 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 the older son getting married or uh, a dignitary coming to, to visit the house or visit the village. And so the fatted calf would be filled and the, uh, killed and there'd be this celebration. Because the celebration would have been for many people, not just a few. And here they are. And what does he say? My son was dead, now he is alive. My son was dead, now he is alive. And this, this word for dead is different from the last one that we used, the one about being destroyed. This means to be spiritually dead, the word that's used here in this sense. The dead is alive. The departed has returned. The lost has been found. The father the father watched, the father waited, and the father welcomed. They were reconciled to each other. The lost returns, and there is a celebration. And there's this overwhelming picture of grace, an overwhelming picture of joy. And I just sometimes wonder, I wonder what it feels like for us when the lost are found. Church, what does it feel like when the lost is found? Here is Jesus at the end, saying about this boy, he was lost 
and is found. The father saying about his son, he was lost and now he's found. Remember, the sin of the prodigal was to waste his father's resources. Let's not be guilty of wasting the resources that God has given us. Let's not be guilty of the sin of the prodigal, of going out and wasting what God has entrusted to us, our time, our talent, and our treasure. I hear so many people saying, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. I've said it myself, I don't have time. The reality is that we're 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 52 weeks in a year. We all have the same amount of time. We need to choose how we're going to spend that time. We can't bank time. We can't go back and do things differently. We can only look at how we use the time that we have today. Our talent. How do we use our talent? Are we using our talent for God or are we spending it on others and spending it on ourselves? How do we use our treasure, our money, our finance, our resources? Let's not be like the prodigal who went and wasted the resources that he had got from his father. The bottom line is that everything we have is from God. Let's not waste our resources. Maybe you've had your own ideas and have left the family of God to pursue them. You may not have left physically. You may still be turning up on a Sunday, but inside you have left in your heart. And we've not really touched on the other brother very much. He wasn't present in his heart. He was there. He was there with his father. But there's something of dysfunction in this family. And he had left in his heart. The younger brother might have left physically, but the older brother had left in his heart. And I think the church, in the church, people can leave church in their heart. And I've seen it in the past. You know when somebody's left in their heart. I said a few weeks ago, I can't remember when it was, I said it. Um, but when somebody leaves church, it's always personal. And we notice it. People are missed when they leave church. There's great celebration when they come back. Maybe you've left church in your heart. You might be there physically week by week going through the motions. But you've left in your heart. God is coming to look for you, to find you. He's going to come to meet you. But there needs to come that point where something happens and here where you say, ah, wait a minute, I realise I've not been doing the right thing here. I've been squandering my father's resources and here I am in need, in need of God. Maybe we need to forgive people, but more so, maybe we need to be reconciled to some people. Maybe there needs to be that coming together. You know, we talked uh, a few weeks ago about cleaning the nets that's that's what i'm talking about it's about coming together maybe some have abandoned the faith altogether maybe it's because there's too much hypocrisy in the church in your eyes well the reality is that the church is full of problems because it's full of people imperfect people trying to do the best and become who god has called them to be to become more like jesus more mature and those who abandon the church for these reasons are doing the exact same thing as they're accusing other people of. Maybe you have someone in your family close to you who's like the prodigal. Can I encourage you to keep on praying for them? To keep on watching for them? To keep waiting for them? To keep expecting that moment when they will return? 
And when they do return, to be like the father in this story whose arms are out wide, who runs out to meet his son, who runs out to protect his son from what other people will say about him and maybe do to him. God the Father is run, running after the prodigals. And we, as physical parents, may need to run after our prodigals. Let's keep praying for them. Let's keep watching for them. Let's keep waiting for them. And when they return, may our arms be open wide to welcome them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the, the story of the prodigal son, the lost son. Lord, there is so much that we can learn from this parable. We've only just really uh, touched on it. We've, we've done an introduction today because there's so much that we can learn in this parable. And Father, we just want to thank you uh, for Jesus that he told this uh, set of stories, that he helped us to think about those who are lost being found, those maybe who are lost outside the house, lost outside uh, the church. Father, those who are lost in the house, those who are still coming to church, maybe just going through the motions. Father, those uh, who have squandered their resources like the prodigal, your resources, Father's resources. And Father, we just pray that you would forgive us for the times when we mess up. Lord, we know that as a church we're not perfect, as people we're not perfect. But Father, we thank you that we are sinners saved by grace. Father, that you have clothed us, clothed us with a robe of salvation, a robe of righteousness. Father, that you have made us into the people that you intend us to be and that we continue to be transformed through the renewing of our minds. Father, just as the prodigal changed his mind, Father, we pray that you would change our minds and that we would become the people that you want us to be. Father, help us. And I, I pray for those who have maybe left church in their hearts. They're still there week by week, but Father, they've left in their hearts. Lord, I pray for a softening of hearts. Father, a softening of hearts towards one another, brother to brother, sister to sister. Lord, I pray for a softening of hearts. Lord, that we might be reconciled to one another. Lord, that we might be like the 120 gathered together as one, ready for you to pour out your spirit. And Lord, I really believe that you've told us in washing the nets to, to get ourselves sorted out with, within ourselves uh, and to deal with our own stuff, but to, to deal with interpersonal stuff. I believe you've told us to repair the nets. Father, to deal with things that don't work very well in church life. And Father, you have told us so clearly that there'll be that moment where you give us the command to launch out into the deep. Father, may we be ready for that command sooner rather than later. And so, Lord, we just pray your blessing on this church and every family represented uh, in this church, those who are tuned in today, those who are maybe uh, tuning in later on. Father, we pray your blessing on this church. May it be a place where people are found. And I just want to close uh, by inviting you. Maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life. You've, you've heard this message today. Maybe you're saying, you know, uh, some of this stuff I don't understand you know, the whole thing about, you know, structures and the verses and all that kind of stuff. I want you to understand one thing, that God loves you, that God sent his son to die for you, that Jesus is like, not like this older brother, he is like an older brother who cares for you, an older brother who will come and help you and meet you at your point in need. You just need to invite him into your life. You need to come to that place where you go, actually, well, I've got it wrong. And now I see now I see what the problem is. I need to go back to God. I need to return to the Father. 
And so I just want to invite you to pray a prayer after me today. And if you pray that prayer, let us know. Send us a message through Facebook. Go over to our website, whitburnpentecostal.com, and send us an email through that. Uh, you, you can do that very easily. And just let us know because we want to pray for you and help you on this journey. It's not just about a decision today. It's not just about making a decision. It's about becoming a disciple. It's about becoming a brother of Christ. It's becoming a son of God. And so I invite you to pray that prayer. Let's just pray one last time. Pray this out loud into your heart, whatever uh, works for you, wherever you are. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me to save me from my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you. Come into my life today. Save me. Set me free from my past. And come and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, let us know. We just would love the privilege of being able to help you on that journey. We're going to close off for today. Uh, thank you to all those who have stayed uh, through the service. And uh, I just want to uh, pray that you have a great week, that the Lord blesses you, that the Lord keeps you, makes his face to shine upon you, is gracious towards you, gives you peace. And just that you experience the fullness, the shalom of God, that you experience that peace which surpasses understanding. So the Lord bless you and uh, just keep getting in touch with us, keep sending us messages and uh, let's just keep encouraging one another and uh, let Jesus be lifted up in all that we say and do. Amen.